Okay, hello everyone. Uh, for those of us in Israel, Yom Matzmut Sameach, and welcome to an exciting members shiur on perspectives of our Chachamim regarding Zionism and the creation of the State of Israel. And we're very privileged to have with us an impressive Talmud Chachamim and someone I'm very lucky to have a close relationship with, Rabbi Yitzhak Verdugo. Rabbi Verdugo is the Rosh Kolel of the Bell Harbor Kolel in Miami and the founder of the Institute of Sefardic Halakha. He received a semicha from Rabbi Eliyahu ben Chaim of Bedin of Mekor Chaim. He also studied in the Kolel of Florida under Av Bedin of Miami, Rabbi David Shon. Uh, he's currently studying towards the Dayanut qualification through the Eretz Hamda Institute and the Montefiore Endowment. Um, in Chabura News, our current curriculum ends in June, and we'll be launching our new exciting curriculum then, uh, so stay in tune for that. Uh, with that said, our classes are recorded um, and will be available after on our website. Uh, please raise your hand if you have any questions, and please, God, there will also be time for questions at the end. Uh, thank you, everyone, for coming. Chacham, uh, it is an honor and privilege to have you with us, and the floor is yours. Okay, thank you so much for that. Okay, so first of all, it's a big zikhut to be able to talk about this topic. This is a big topic, um, probably one of like the, maybe the top three or four topics that people talk about. Maybe number one is Chalav Yisrael, you have to keep it, whatever the other ones are. Yom Asmut, Halel and Yom Asmut, and what's the perspectives, what do you hold of it, is it okay, is it not okay? Should we be pro the state? Is it part of Jewish history? And unfortunately, it really, this, this Yom Atzmaut divided Am Yisrael into different groups. Um, you have, I would say, a three-way division. You have some people say it's the ongoing continuation of Jewish history. Um, so therefore, it is a continuation of perhaps even Tanakh. And there's different levels that take it to more extremes than others. Um, you have another group that says the complete opposite. Uh, originally was a very fringe movement, not so popular, but is actually gaining more and more popularity as, let's say, the right is getting more right, or the right, however you look at it, but, uh, you know, where they hold that perhaps the whole Zionist movement, the entire creation of the state of Israel is just a glitch in the entire system. Um, we'll see some even call it the Masis Satan. They go so far to say that. So that's uh, the other side of the spectrum probably not the Chabura perspective. And then you have the middle approach. The middle approach, um, I would say, is probably Chamovadia, Rav Shemuzaman Arbach, other people they hold, other great Rabbanim is, we're not sure what it is, and we'll be part of it about it. It's not Basar, it's not Chalav, it's fish. We're going to see where it takes us, and we're going to watch. And we're going to be good citizens at the same time. Um, so with that being said, we're going to just jump into mainly two topics today, which I think incorporates really what the whole idea, if you can be pro or not pro, what should you, should you say hello, should you not say hello, which is number one is the shalosh shibuot, the three oaths. The three oaths are something that we find in the Gemara and Kitubot. And this couple lines in the Gemara really created a big turmoil amongst Am Yisrael. And it's an ongoing machloket. And uh, from this, and the, the, the derech of how you learn this, these three Shibuot, the three O's, really determines, first of all, the basic principle of are we allowed to have a country, even before a Jewish country with our own army, before the Mashiach comes? That's number one. Number two is going to be, should we celebrate it with Halel or not? And that gets more into halachic uh, terms and perspectives as opposed to, you know, feelings. We're going to stay away from the feelings. We're going to go more, mostly with 
halakhic foundations for it. So with that being said, I'm going to share my screen with you guys. Oh, had confirmed that you can see it. Yeah. Okay, great. Alrighty. So a lot of this may be um, basics for a lot of people and they may know this already, especially for those that are, you know, in the battle, always fighting about it and in the chak, as they say, talking about the, you know, saying halal or not and you know, what's smooth, et cetera. But for others, it may be new information. But anyways, we're going to go through everything and see different perspectives. So we first find in Shira Shirin, we find three psukim in Perik Bet, Gimel, and Het that kind of are look like copied and paste. And it says, Hishbati etchem benot Yerushalayim bitzvaot ba'yalot ha'sedeh im ta'iru ve'im ta'ariru et ahava ad she'tehpatz. So I wrote the English here from Sepharia. I adjure you, O maidens of Jerusalem, by gazelles or by hens of the field, do not wake or rouse love until it please. Don't jump the boat. Don't go too far, too fast, and try to arouse love, whatever that means. So when you just read the Sukim, and it's three of them, pretty much the same, a few words different than the last one, it's very ambiguous. We have no clue what it means. So if we go to the Gemara Kitubot, which is over here, we have a teaching from Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Hanina. Shelosh shevuot lama. So these oaths. So we're saying that these are oaths because the pasuk starts off starts off with hishbati. It's three oaths. So lama, why why are they here? So ahad shelo yaalu yisrael bechoma. The first one is saying that the Jewish people shouldn't go up bechoma with a wall, whatever that means. The ahad, another one, shishbia hakadosh baruchu at yisrael shelo yimredu biumot haolam. Number two, the oath number two is that the Jewish people should not go against and define, defile the, or not defile, go against the umot ha'olam, go against the Goyish nations, the non-Jews. And the last one, and the last one is not between the Jewish people and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, rather it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Goyim, that he took an oath, or he made them take an oath, that they are not going to uh, work us too hard. Persecute us too much. So now let's look at some of the Mepashim on these three uh, Shavuot. So Rashi first off says, that the first one for our topic today, the most important one, is probably the first Shavuot, which is Shelo Yalu Yisr that they shouldn't go up in a wall. Sounds like to go get back at its Israel. So Rashi says, Shelo Yalu Yahad Biyad Hazaka. The Jewish people shouldn't go up together with a strong hand and try to take over Eretz Yisrael. So we're going to see, is that something that the Zionists did? I'm not actually a Bucky in history. I'm sure many of you guys here know history much better than me. But I can assure you that the Jewish people never went up in a wall, went up with the entire Am Yisrael, went and tried to take over the land of Israel. That didn't happen even with the modern state of Israel. Okay, but let's keep on going. Just to, to, she, to see how how the Gemara actually proposes how, how strict this, this Shavuot are, seemingly. It says like this in Gemara Kitubot, it says, So what does the Pasuk talk about the, uh, the, uh, these animals, the, as they translated here, the gazelles or the hens, the rams? So it says, If Hashem told the Jewish people, if you guys keep these oaths, very good. But if you don't follow these oaths, 
I'm going to pretty much allow your 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 flesh to be like the flesh of these animals, which can be slaughtered and killed and you know terrible things. So you see from this one liner in the Gemara that wow, this is a very strict thing, and we're going to see this is why some rabbanim took it very seriously. So now let's see some other perspectives. The Maharsha. So the Maharsha says, for sure, everybody has a reshut to go and make aliyah to Eretz Yisrael. So this is kind of what Rashi said. Rather, they just can't go up with a strong hand. And they can't go and build the walls of Yerushalayim. He said, go and build Yerushalayim, go and build Eretz Yisrael. That's different because here, or in that case, in Nehemiah, they had the permission from the king. So once you have permission from the king, that's not going up. Uh, they're not going with a strong hand against the goyim. They have permission from the king, so that's okay. So now we're going to see a famous Orsameach. The Orsameach, he says like this. During the time of the... 1920s, 19, that time. So because of the amazing thing that happened in San Ramo, so anybody who doesn't know about that, that's, I think it was in the 1920s or 1919, where they, it was a meeting in Italy that the nations, including Arab nations, they allowed the Jewish people to go to Israel. They even agreed that Eretz Yisrael, at that time called Palestine, belongs to the Jewish people. They came in Shesar Pahad Shavuot, and now it says Or Sameach. So now, since the fear of the Shavuot, they were removed. And now the Melachim also they are allowing us. Right now, we actually have this mitzvah going back to doing Yishuv Eretz Yisrael, which is one of the greatest mitzvot. You know, we know everybody knows. Talmud Torah Keneged Kulam, but there's also other ones that are Talmud Keneged Kulam. We have Tzitzit Keneged Kulam. There's another one Brit Mila Keneged Kulam, and another one, believe it or not, there's Yeshua Aretz Keneged Kulam. Different places we find in Chazal that they say living in Eretz Yisrael is Neged all the mitzvot, Keneged all the mitzvot. It's as as important as all the other mitzvot. Um, so therefore, he says, okay. So he continues. Let's go. The Gra Hagaon de Vilna. He says something very different than what you would think when you read the Gemara. He says. And it's in his Perusha Shir Shirim. So he learns these three Shivuot are not going to, to make a Jewish state in Israel. That's not a problem. The only problem is, is to go and build a Beit HaMikdash. So according to the Gaon de Vilna, no problem. We just can't build a Beit HaMikdash. And unfortunately, the modern city of Israel doesn't have a chance at the moment to build any Beit HaMikdash. And they didn't do that. Now we have the Bal Hafla'a, which is Rapin Horowitz. He says, He has another shita. He says that this Homa, that they're not allowed to go and make a Homa and go up in, uh, in arms to go conquer Eretz Yisrael, that's only when they're leaving from Bavel. But if we were going from Europe, no problem. Or anywhere else, Morocco, wherever you are. You're allowed to go up in arms, no problem. Take the, take the land of Eretz Yisrael. Okay, and this is similar to here, what it says, uh, that, uh, Right, they have a misora. His father, the Manyan Yushua, he has a misora from his father that he received from the Gaon de Vilna. We're not allowed to go and build the Beit Hamikdash without permission, but to do other things, to go and have a Jewish state, no problem. That's not part of the Shivuot. 
Okay, so now something very important is we have this Gemara. Seemingly, it sounds like it's Agadah. And even more than that, we don't find it in the words of the Rambam, in the Mishneh Torah. We don't find it in the Rif. And we don't find it in the Rosh. The three big Amudim, the big pillars of Halakha, we don't even find them bringing this down. So that creates a problem for the people that are anti uh, the, the Zionist movement. And we're going to see maybe how they answer it up. Actually, I didn't bring it here, but they have very interesting answers. But let's continue. So the Ramban, the Ramban, he holds straight up. If you look at the Ramban, we have a mitzvah. It's actually the Ramban on the Hasagot. Hasagot, when he's commentating on the commentating on the Sefer of Harambam and the Sefer of Mitzvot, right? The Rambam he counted all the six thirteen mitzvot, and one of the mitzvot that he left out surprisingly is living in Eretz Israel, Yishuv Haaretz, and also Kivush Haaretz, even conquering the land of Eretz Israel. So what happened with that? How come the Rambam forgot about that? So we'll get into that a little later. But the Ramban, he says, he argues with the Rambam. He says, of course, going and conquering, or he doesn't argue, but he just brings down that it is a mitzvah. He wants to count it as a mitzvah, that we have to go. We're not allowed to leave the land in the Goyim, and even in the land of the Shiva Amim, and also any other Goyim. And also, even if the Goyim leave it, we have to go and set it up and beautify the land and, and make it our home. That's a mitzvah, that's mutelet. And he says, he says, We are obligated to conquer the land of Israel. That's a very important words. He says it a little later. I'm copying and pasting from different parts of, the, of the, the Ramban. But later on, he says, this is a mitzvah every single generation. So obviously, Haramban did not bring down the, the Shavuot at all, which means he didn't hold of it. And what, what does it mean he didn't hold of it? We're going to see the different Shatim why he didn't hold of it. But basically, it's Agada. It's, it's uh, the way the Hohme Andalus, as we like to say here in the Habura, they learned this as more Agadic. It was, uh, it was uh, not actual Halachic Gemarot. It was more for moral lessons, which we'll see later on. However, this is, you ask a lot of the very anti-Tsioni people, that the first thing they're going to say is the Migilat Esther of the Rabbi Yitzhak de Lyon. This, you know, they probably never read any other part of the Sefer, but they read this because I think uh, Divre Yoel, he brought it down, or Teitelbaum brought it down. But they know this Migilat Esther. So here he says something very fascinating. Who? why did the Rambam not count the mitzvah of living in Eretz Israel? This is wild. He's saying, perhaps the mitzvah, or he's not even saying perhaps, he's saying because the mitzvah of having the land and living in the land, which is conquering and living in the land, only applied during the time of Moshe, Yoshua, and David. And, and throughout the time where they were never in Galut. But once you're already in Galut in Miami, you can stay in Miami, no problem. You don't have to go and do Yeshua Aritz, no more mitzvah. He says, because, But once we are already exiled, we do not have a mitzvah to do Yeshua Aritz. And therefore, we have to wait until the Mashiach comes. And because of the Shita, this is why a lot of people are happy in Galut, especially in the very ultra-Orthodox circles and Hasidic circles. You know, they don't really care to leave Borough Park to go, Borough Park to go to Eretz Yisrael because they posek like this Shita, that there's no problem at all. And perhaps not even any mitzvah at all to do yeshivaritz. He says, look at this. Ki adraba, adraba. Nitzta venu lefi ma sheamru besop ketubot. 
uh, he's bringing, he's invoking the Shavuot. We're not allowed to go and conquer the land with strength. And he says, so now the problem is that the Ramban, he doesn't want to argue with the Ramban. The Ramban we just saw says there's a mitzvah of kibush ha'aretz. That only applies when we are not subjugated to the different nations of the world. Right? So according to the to the Miglat Esther, if the Umot Olam give us permission, perhaps we actually can go and do kibush. So it's not even so clear, even from the Miglat Esther, from Ravitz Hagdelion. And that, you, you find throughout all the Gemarot, and even the Rambam, he's supposed to like this all the time, that, you know, there's Yishuv Ha'aret, there's a beautiful thing of living in Eretz Yisrael. That was only when the Beit HaMikdash was there. But nowadays, there is no mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael. So this is a very extreme view of the Migilat Esther. And I just brought in here, the Mikorot for the Migrat Esther is actually because you find in the Bali Tosafot, in the Gemara there, it says, in Ketubot, it says, in the name of Rabbi Chaim, Chaim Kohen, he says, he brings down that the, the Mishnah says, Hakol Ma'alina Eretz Yisrael, right? With, with men and women, they're, they're married, and one of them wants to go to Eretz Yisrael. The woman's allowed to go make Aliyah, and she even gets her Ketubah, and the husband can't say anything about it because everybody goes up, up to Eretz Yisrael. And then even if she wants to live from outside, from, from different cities, and she wants to go to Yerushalayim, Akol Ma'alin Yerushalayim as well. Everybody goes to Yerushalayim. So, so Rav Chaim Cohen, he says something very interesting. He says, This halacha does not apply nowadays. Right? And we're going to see even the Maran Shuchan Aruch is posek this halacha. He held, it's not, it doesn't apply nowadays. This is the Rav Haim Kohen, the Balei Tosafot. This is Lashon. Nowadays, there is no mitzvah to live in Israel. So here he says a different reason. It's very interesting. Why is there no mitzvah to live in Israel? Key, he says, because there are so many mitzvot that are dependent on Eris Israel, right? Maaser, Trumot, etc., even uh, for the Shochatim, they have to give the Matanot Kiuna. And it's so difficult because we may be punished if we don't follow them properly. And therefore, it sounds like he's saying we don't have the mitzvah to go live in Eretz Israel because of that, which is very interesting. I would say the least. So I might have to say anything other than that. Fine. Uh, so, however, I wrote here in the bottom. Sorry, I messed that up there. But pretty much most of the, almost every posek, Pushes off the words of the of the of the the Balatosafot, Rav Chaim Cohen. The Shela, he says, very interesting. He says, dat lo ta'ameh. He says these opinion. This is a off opinion that nobody holds of, and even his reasoning behind it doesn't make sense. Uh, He's saying that people are gonna falter from this uh, opinion in the Maharit. From uh, Rav Yosef Mitrani, he says even stronger. He says, "Devarav elu sherabi haim talmid to'eh ketavam." Umitzvah Yishuv Eretz Yisrael takva bezman azeh. He says that these words of Rav Chaim Akohen, somebody put them. One student of Rav Chaim Akohen or the Balat Tosafot, because the Balat Tosafot themselves maybe perhaps didn't write this Tosafot. One student who made a mistake, he actually brought this into the Gemara, and it's a complete mistake. And of course, the mitzvah of living in Eretz Yisrael applies nowadays. Because every posek, all the rishonim, all the aharonim, except these two 
opinions that we found so far, Rav Leon, De Leon, and also the Rav the Balatosvod, Rav Chaim Cohen. That's a very small amount of uh, uh, opinion, and most people do not hold like that. Fine. Now we're gonna find see an approach of the Admor of Mesokitchov. Uh, Forgive me, I don't know how to say it properly. But the Rav Avraham Bernstein, he was actually one of the big one of the biggest poskim in the Hasidic world. And he said about the Shavuot. This is what he said about the Shalosh Shavuot. He says, So he says, whenever we have Haggadah, of course, the words are, especially these words of the Shavuot, these words are hidden from, the meanings are hidden, hidden, from, hidden from us. Because in the words of Haggadah, there's hidden inside of them very deep secrets. Like the Arizal said, right? this is something both the, 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 the rational Jews and as well as the, the mystical Jews, they hold that the Agadah, inside of Agadot, they're very they're hidden deep secrets. Of course, each group explains them differently. One more metaphys- one uh, mystical, as a, the other one is just different Yisodot in Hashkafa, etc. However, they're hidden words. So therefore, Alken legalot devarim, so therefore, the Hachamim didn't want to really tell us what these Shavuot mean, because it's really hard to understand them. And besides the fact, these, these Agadot are very hard to understand. So pretty much he's saying one of the early, on the, in the 1900s, a big, big Hasidish Posek, he's saying not to really take these into halachic considerations, it's Agadah. However, now we're going to find the famous Shitav uh, of the Divrei Yoel, which is the Rav Yoel Teitelbaum, who was the the Admor of Satmir, the Satmir Rebbe. So he says, These three Shavuot are so grave, they're so stringent, that it's even worse, the, the punishment for these are worse than all the different sins in the Torah, or any of the sins in the Torah. And anybody who believes in this Sionut of being Zionist, he's a kofer, he's saying. So the Divrei Yol is saying Zionist people, the movement is a movement of kifirut, it's a movement of people who are kofrim. And he says, right? Remember we said that the Gemara tells about the punishment that if you disobey these three Shavuot, the flesh of the people is going to be terrible. So he's saying it's going to be like, uh, like animals. So he says, we never find, says the Divrayol, we never find such a terrible wording for a punishment, such a harsh punishment. So he says, right? We don't find it anywhere but this, this psukim that we find, like hahamim were doresh. Now, now this is very shocking, and it's, uh, it's uh, what I'm about to read is very, very, could be for a lot of people troubling. But he says like this. It's not me, it's him. Velo higia kazot li Israel me'az hayte legoi zulat bedorenu. Ve'avonotenu rabim. The Jewish people never had this harsh punishment until this generation. Right? Shelo haya gezerat shemad velo shum tam v'siba. That now we have, in his time, the 1900s, we have shemad. There, there was no shemad. There was no reason behind it. But rather, the Jewish people, their blood became like hefker, mamash, like it was free for all. Like the, these animals that are just shechted. We don't know what happened. 
It's only this, this, we only, the only way we can actually understand it is because the Torah or the Mishneh, it, it talks about these three, sorry, uh, the Shlomo Amalekh, he talks about these Shavuot. Right? Rather, the Torah is telling us, the Tanakh is telling us that this is what happened. This is as a result of because we disobey the Shavuot. So what he's saying is that the Shoah, the Holocaust, happened perhaps because, not even perhaps, he sounds like he's saying Vadai, is because of the Zionistic movement and that we disobeyed the vows, which is very, very harsh. So now I just wrote in here that what happened was, is later on you had the Six-Day War, and that happened later. And how did the, the Divrei Yoel react to that? You know, everybody, you ask any Israeli that was there, at least 95% of any Israeli, even the secular ones, are going to say, yeah, we saw Yad Hashem. Hashem was with us. We saw these miracles. It was unbelievable. So the, the problem is, and how does the Divrei Yoel, how, how could it be that we have a Jewish state and we're winning all these wars? It's, uh, it goes against what the Ratzon of Hashem is. So he actually writes there that uh, in the Sefer Allah Geulah V'Allah Timura, he writes that all these miracles were an act of the devil. They were Maaseh Satan. He also writes there that actually was also, you know, they, they, it was Bederech Teva that the Jewish, the soldiers were, you know, they, they, they knew what they were doing. They were advanced, this and that, but it was all Maaseh Satan at the end, which is very hard to understand. But that was his opinion. And again, this was a very fringe opinion. It could be in before, pre-Israel, a lot of Hasidish rabbis, a lot of Ashkenazi rabbis in Europe, they did, they were anti-Zionist. They didn't want to join the Zionist movement at all. But once the Jewish, once the Jewish state was established, a lot of Jews, uh, I didn't bring it, but I have a list of tons of great Ashkenazi rabbinic poskim. They, they, they were already, they saw that this is a, a nest. This is part of Hashem's uh, plan. And of course, it wasn't Maseh Satan. But really, only the Divrei Yol, he kept to these views. And he was the one that kept it going even past the state of Israel and even past the Six-Day War. Even to nowadays, people are still uh, promoting his views. Fine. So now we're going to look at Harambam. So we saw that the, the um, Megillat Esther, right? He claimed that the Rambam holds there's no so I brought just a few examples here from my own reading of Mishnah Torah, and I'm sure there's much more, but that I remember on the spot that Harambam is posek so many alachot about Yeshuvah Aretz, and he doesn't make a differentiation between nowadays or in the time of Beit Hamidash, right? For example, an Eved, a slave, he says, "I want to go to Eretz Israel." He can make the he can force his rabbi, his his rabbi, his master to go with him. Or, or, you don't want to go with me, master? Sell me, and I can go to Eretz Israel. Let's say uh, the Adon doesn't want to go. He wants to stay in Chutz He can't force the slave to go to Eretz Israel, to Chutz Aretz. Now, this is important. The Rambam says, this halacha applies every single time even when the land of Israel is in the hands of the Goyim. So, of course, the Ramam holds, this, is, this whole halakha is because of the din of Yeshuva Aritz. Otherwise, why would we allow a slave to be freed or not have to leave, etc.? Of course, it applies nowadays. The Rambam in, in uh, Hilchot Shabbat, you know, hachamim or posek, that you're allowed to actually have a Goy 
write for you a document on Shabbat. There's a problem of Amirat Legoy. You're not allowed to have Goyim do, especially Isurei Deoraita, something that's forbidden from the Torah. However, says the Rambam, since Amirat Enochri Shabbat Asura Midivrahim, it's only the Rabbanan having a Goy do something for you. And because of the promote, they wanted people to live in Eretz Israel. Hahamim did not make a gezera for buying land and getting your document, your sale document, on Shabbat, so you can have the goy write it for you. So now I brought in a little teshuvah from Rav Kafeh. So Rav Kafa, he says, he brings, they, they asked him in, in uh, teshuvah. They asked him. It's actually in this book right here. I don't know if you can see it. Teshuvah to Rav Kafa. So he says, uh, it says in Yerushalmi. Somebody who has a house in Chutzla'aretz. Perhaps he doesn't have to go to war because we know there's certain exemptions from going to war if you just built a house, etc. What about if you built a house in Chutzla'aretz? Because it says, So the, the, the Gemara Yerushalmi says, only the, the houses that you have a mitzvah to actually live in and to be there and to dwell in it, which is an Eretzir only, then you have an exemption from the war. But in Chutzaritz, there's no exemption there. And the questioner, he asks, There's a mitzvah to live in Israel in a house. And so, So the, the Rav Kafah, he explained, right, the, the Rambam, he incorporated this mitzvah, the Yushalmi, into the mitzvah of Yushuv Eretz Yisrael. It's part of the general reason of living in Eretz Yisrael. Right, the Rambam, however, remember we asked the question, and everybody has pondered about it, how come the Rambam didn't count the mitzvah of living, living at Israel as one of the six thirteen mitzvot? So he says the Rambam didn't because um, uh, he, because of a he incorporated because it's a general rule of many mitzvot. Right? He brings down different examples of where the Rambam brings this general rule of living in Eretz Israel. So here you have the Rav Harab Ben Uziel that he brings down also that a Rambam the Rambam didn't count this as one of the mitzvot. Nevertheless, he's not arguing on the main principle, right? Because he brings down also more examples. So he also ex- explains, of course, it's Pashut to anybody, any serious student of the Rambam. They know the Rambam was very pro living in Eretz Israel. It's all over the place. He himself even tried to go to Eretz Israel. Right? So what's an answer for this, a different answer? And pretty much I'm expounding upon what Rav Kafeh says is because the Rambam in his Hagdama for the Sefer Mitzvot, he explains sometimes why he's not counting certain mitzvot. So num- the, the rule number three, he says, it's not appropriate to count mitzvot that are not noheg forever. So, for example, at Israel, sometimes we're not able to, to do it. So, therefore, we're not going to incorporate it there. So, therefore, some mitzvot, we can't do it all the time. So, he's not going to count it. However, the fourth principle, this is the main thing that I want to bring, is that this is the main thing, is that mitzvot that incorporate the entire Torah, I'm not going to count it, right? So, of course, Eretz Israel incorporates most of the Torah, having a Jewish nation, having a, a, all the halachot of, of war, the mitzvot of going to war, having the Beit HaMikdash, Ma'asrot, Trumot, every type of thing you can think of, 90, 80% of the mitzvot, 
really can only be done in Eretz Yisrael. I'm just throwing out the number. I don't know exactly the percentage, but it's a klal, it's a general principle that includes in, in the entire Torah. So therefore, the Ramam didn't need to write down a mitzvah Yishuv Eretz Yisrael because that's so pashut. That's a general principle that has many mitzvot talui on it that are in, dependent on that uh, on Eretz Yisrael. So now I just want to end off about the Shalosh Shavuot from the Igeret Teman of the Rambam. So the Rambam is true. He doesn't write anything in the Mishnah Torah about the Shalosh Shavuot. However, in the Igeret Teman, he actually talks about it. And there he says something very fascinating. He says, Whatever I talked about before in this Igeret, So this, what I told you, it was guaranteed from the Nivim, or we, we were promised by the Nivim this. Shibikarov, and this is what it is. Shibikarov limota Mashiach Amiti, that near the times when the real Mashiach comes, Yirbu Hatu Anim Beahoshvim Shikole Hadmehem Hu Mashiach. The people are going to start claiming and thinking that they're the real Mashiach. But really, their claims are not going to come to fruition. And of course, it's not going to be true. And because of that, tons of people are going to be lost and, and killed. Tons of people. Because they're going to be following this false Mashiach. Right? And because Shlomo Melech he knew with his Ruach HaKodesh that the Jewish people, they can't handle anymore. It's going to be tough in the long Galut. And therefore, they're going to want some type of Mashiach. And because of this, they're going to lose out. There's going to be terrible things, catastrophes that can happen because of a false Mashiach. Shlomo HaMelech warned us, do not do this, which means don't go up and take war to Eretz Yisrael. And he, this is an important word, he swore, he made us take an oath, Hashem made us take an oath as a Mashal. Right, so the Rambam saying it never really happened. There was never an oath between the Jewish people and Hashem for these three oaths. It wasn't like Matan Torah, where all the Jewish people were there. Rather, it was a mashal, and as a mashal for a practical reason, right? And he brings a he brings a pasuk, So the Rambam himself is saying that this is a mashal. It wasn't literal. It wasn't being uh, supposed to be taken literal, but it's a it's a, tova, it's a warning that, you know, be careful because you can really get messed over. The Jewish people can really get hurt and injured and killed if they try to, you know, follow these false Mashiachs, etc. So therefore, according to that approach, we understand why the Rambam didn't bring the three oaths because the three oaths aren't halachic. It was more of a moral lesson that Shemua HaMelech was trying to teach us and that the Hachamim uh, uh, transferred over to us. Okay, so now, for the last couple of minutes, the Halel. So, assuming that the, it's a, it was a great thing, uh, the Medina, the country of Eretz Israel, do we have the right to say Halel nowadays? So, now we're going to start with the Gemara Psachim. It says, So, where is this, the Mekor, the source for saying Halel? So, So, so the Nivi'im, the prophets, they were mitaken. They established that the Jewish people should say it on called perek perek on different times of the year. And also they should say it so that tragedies shouldn't befall the Jewish people. And when we're redeemed from it, we say it when we're redeemed. So this general rule of the Gemara 
it's telling us that the Nevi'im established, or they made this concept of saying Halal, and it should be kind of applied, seemingly, it should be applied to certain occurrences according to the different halachot that he stated, pretty much when there's a tzara, or the prakim were already established by, we're going to see the hahamim tell us which ones, but also any tzara that happens, and also any time we have a geula. And now, you know, I was hearing a different rabbi that was saying, you know, there's no mikor to say halal nowadays, or there's no, or, or even say with a beracha. So first of all, this Gemara in Pesachim is very general, it's very broad, and it sounds like, you know, the, we could say halal if we have a miracle that transpires according to what they just told us. So it's not so pashu. However, the, the question is that Harambam does not, is not posek this, he doesn't bring this, this uh, Gemara in Pesachim. But there's ways to answer. So he says, also, but okay, we don't have the Rambam, but we have Halachot Gedolot. Halachot Gedolot is actually from the Geonim. So these are Psakim, Piske Halacha from the, from the Geonim. It says like this, Had the Amrina, and that that we said, Shemona Aser Yom, Bishana Yahid Gomeret Halel. Right, there's 18 times when the Gemara, when the Gemara Psakim says, Kol Perek Perek, we have 18 times that we said the Halel. Lo Yahid Mamash, because why did the Gemara use the Lashon Yahid? Only the Gemara, it says in Arachin, it's only Yahid says these things. It doesn't mean, so says the Halachot Gedolot, that doesn't mean literally one an individual says it. Rather, when, all, when something doesn't transpire or is bad for all Jewish people, Yahid Kari Lehun. It's called Yahid. It's called an individual. And the reason why the Gemara uses the Lashon in an individual, Yahid, Right? Because when all Am Yisrael, something happens to all of Am Yisrael, they're allowed to say Halel whenever they want. So it says the Halachot Gedolot, that there's certain times when the Jewish people can say it even beyond these 18 times. So yes, the 18 times that was already established by the, you know, the Hachamim in the time of the Mishnah or the Gemara, we do the 18 times. However, there's a Yisod, there's a rule that the Nevi'im gave us that when things transpire to all of Am Yisrael, we are also supposed to say Halel, and we're not making up a new rule. We're actually connecting to the original source of what they said, because they gave us the Rishut. The Hahamim gave us Rishut. So even let's say somebody wants to say, how could you say the Beracha? It wouldn't be a problem, because the Nevi'im told us we could say it. So it's a continuation of them. I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm giving you the other side of why some people say to say the Beracha. And also, so this, uh, this Gemara and Psachim, the Tosafot, and also the Halachot Gedolot, the Tosafot also posek like that, also the Tamidei Rabbeinu Yona, and also they, they bring the Beshem Rabbeinu Tam, that Sheikar Halel Nitkan Al-Kol Sarah Shalot Avu Al-Kol Yisrael. Whenever there's a Sarah that happens, you know, so it doesn't happen to all of Israel, we're allowed to say the Halel. And Hashem, when He does a Nes, and we would say Halel, and the Hayavim Levarech Al Kiryato, we would even say a Beracha, even though, even if we're not finishing it, we would still say a Beracha. Fine. And, but he says an uh, important word. The main takana of the hachamim, the nevi'im, was only when a miracle transpired to the entire Jewish nation. Fine. However, but if it just happened to an individual, the nevi'im never said you can make, you, should, you, can, you can recite the halel. And remember, when we're using the lashon, recite halel here, we're talking about with a beracha. So now we found a, there's a Mi'iri, the Chida brings it down, 
And he says something like this. He says, Any individual, now we're talking about individuals, when something bad happens and they were redeemed from it, also a community, and they were redeemed from it, they are allowed to recite Hallel on it every single year. They're allowed to actually establish a custom for themselves and their communities to recite the Hallel every year. However, they just don't make a beracha on it. So the Miri is actually taking in more than what the Gemara just says. He's saying that we can also apply this for individuals and the tzibur as well and for communities. However, one big difference is you cannot make a beracha on it. So now the big question is, was Yom Atzma'ut, was it considered to be, I said Atzma'ut because a lot of rabbis, they're actually against saying the word Yom Atzma'ut. Atzma'ut is a, a modern word that the, the secular Israelis created of, you know, independence. Really, Rav David Shlush actually says, Atzma'ut is really from the Lashon Atzma'ut, which is your bones. And that you say by etzem, you know, that, that's how hahamim use it. But for a nation, you shouldn't say it like that, independence, it's not a word. So they want to use different lashonot like yom tikuma, like the day that we were revived, etc. Different lashonot that different rabbis approach it. But uh, anyways, it's called yom atzmaut. Fine. So the question is, was this something that was, that transpired for all of Am Yisrael? Or was it just for, let's say, the Israelis and not for us living here in Miami Beach or in England or wherever the Habura members are? So now we're going to look at a famous Teshuvah of Rav Yosef. And we're going to see different opinions and how he went about it and how other opinions took his words. So Rav first he states that from all these rabbis that we just read, right, we see that it has to be, like I just mentioned, a national miracle. National meaning all of Am Yisrael. The question is, he asked a beautiful question, Mines Hanukkah. What about Hanukkah? Hanukkah, we say halal there, right? And... That only happened, it only transpired to the Jews of Eretz Israel. It didn't happen, and a majority of the Jews probably were even living in Galut during that time. And nevertheless, the Hamim said, you have to, they established to make the, to say the Hallel every single year. So he brings from Rabbi Yonah Yenavon, he brings from the Rabbi Yonah who says, and said, forget me Kushar, so he says something interesting. He says, since the enemies wanted to destroy the Beit HaMikdash, the Beit HaMikdash is considered a tsar. It's a, it's a terrible thing for all of Am Yisrael. And therefore, once the Yavanim, they were destroyed, and we came back to our original uh, Beit HaMikdash, we were able to have it back again. Therefore, it's considered to be a national miracle, and therefore they set up the Hallels for that. So he wants to make a difference. Yom Atzma'ut, perhaps it wasn't for all of Am Yisrael. This is the first Hanukkah, the first uh, point of Rabu Wadiya, whereas Hanukkah was something that was for all of Am Yisrael because of the Beit HaMikdash. So that's point one. Another one. Umeata, oh, so this is a... Uh, yeah, so... So he, this is his halakha, pretty much saying that since it wasn't the, the establishment of Israel, the original independence of Israel, that was, he, he is recognizing it was a big miracle. However, since it wasn't, it wasn't for all the Jewish people, you can say halal, 
like the Miriri said. However, Beli Beracha. So he's saying you're, it's plausible if you want, you could say Halel on Yom Tzvahut, but you can't do it with the Beracha because it wasn't a national miracle. It was just a miracle for the inhabitants of Eretz Yisrael at that moment. Okay, here are, he brings in also Hamuvari, he brings in the Chida. The Chida as well, he's bothered how come, you know, the Rif, the Rambam, the Rosh, they don't bring down this concept that the Meiri brought down. He even says that the Minhag is not like the Meiri. That is true. There's many different communities that have their own special uh, day for miracles that happen, and they praise Hashem. They don't even say Tahanun on those days. However, we never find the custom of saying Halel, even without a Beracha. So that's him. That's the, the Chida. But of course, the Chida also, he agrees that a national miracle or a, a redemption that happens to the Jewish people, then of course, that sanctions the Halel, because he's not arguing with the Gemara Pesachim that we first brought, right? So there is, of course, there still is a basis to say the Halel, but it has to be a national miracle. Fine. Now, reason number two, Right, why Rav Ovadia says not to say Halel with the Beracha. Um, so it's true. He says, we did get to, the, we defeated our enemies. We had all these different words, war, uh, wars. And we, they had weapons and they seemingly could outnumber us. And nevertheless, Hashem helped us. Nevertheless, says he brings from the, from the Maharaj Hayot, which is the Maharaj Hajis. He says that Nes Hanukkah, wasn't really established because of the war. Rather, it was established. It was because of the, it was, so he says, sorry, it was the, the, the war followed practical nature, regular nature, and that we don't make a halal for. Only things that go beyond Teva, which would be the, 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 the candles in the Beit HaMikdash lasting for so long, only then did the Hachamim establish the miracle of Hanukkah. So he's saying, Hamubari is saying, because of the Shita also, the Israel Independence Day and all the wars that they fought, that was Derech Teva. That was done through war. And therefore, according to this opinion, we can't say Halel because there was no other, you know, we didn't have any fires that lasted for eight days without any oil. So therefore, you can't say Halel. So that's a reason number two. Um, they also ask about, uh, he asked, what, the, Abu Dirham, what about Purim? Purim also you know, it was Derech Teva. We don't even mention Hashem's name in the entire Megillah. So how come we don't, uh, we recite also Megillah, which is taking place of like the Halel. So he says there also, it's different Megillah because you have, you know, how could it be that Esther went up to such a high rank in the, in, in the, in, of the, the strongest king in the world and the, they already were sanctioned to kill all the Jews and nevertheless she reversed it. And therefore that was also Limala Minateva. They want to propose that that was also beyond Teva. So that's reason number two. Reason number three why Rabbi Wadi says not to say Halel with a Beracha. He says, even though all these miracles that happen to us, all these great things, yes, we have a Jewish state, we have to have a Karatatob, we have to thank Hashem for it. Nevertheless, we are still in a terrible situation. Right? So he, said, he even brings, he says, it was the Hatchalta de Geula. He brings from many, many, he himself doesn't say, but he quotes that. All, pretty much Rabim Atsumimi Dole Israel. Some of the biggest, biggest poskim of Am Israel during the original uh, Independence Day, they all held that this was the beginning of the Giwula. And therefore, ah, perhaps maybe we should say Halel, but no, he says, since it's only the beginning, and we're still in such terrible situations, you have so many, you know, it was founded by 
a bunch of non-religious people that are mechalal Shabbat and look at the the different things and you have uh, he go he has a list in the in in the Teshuvah in the Omer of why you know these so many terrible things that are going on spiritually physically etc and we still have enemies so therefore we can't make the beracha for the halal on it and now he brings another reason is based off the what the Beit Yosef brings in the Shibulei Aleket is that how come we don't say halal on the seventh day of Pesach right on the seventh day of Pesach we don't say halal because we have a midrash Harninu it says there is because on the seventh day of Pesach, the Mitzrim, they died. And how could we be happy? How can we celebrate when all these Goyim, which, okay, they're Goyim, they were bad people, but at the same time, we shouldn't be happy and celebrate on the death of people. So based off this, perhaps also in all these wars, lots of people died, Jewish people died, lots of Goyim died. How can we celebrate about that? However, so ends off Hachamovadia, that it seems to me, that even though, you know, we can't make a beracha because of all the different reasons I said, nevertheless, if you want a community who wants to say the halal, they can say the halal, however, without a beracha. And he brings down that apikabala, maybe perhaps you shouldn't say, bring, he's bringing the yaskil avdi, that perhaps you shouldn't say right after the amida, because hahamim weren't metaken it that way. Rather, you say, finish the entire amida, halenu, and then you can say the halal. But if you want, you could do it before as well. So it's kind of, he's okay with saying halal, just make sure you don't say with the beracha. Um, a lot of people think that Hamuvadi Yosef, from this teshuvah, you would think that he holds, ah, you say halal, don't say tahanun. And he actually many times publicly, he says, you know, do like Ben-Gurion, which means Ben-Gurion was secular. He didn't say halal, and he didn't say tahanun. So that's other things that he would say as well. Sometimes he would say halal without a beracha. He changed, uh, every couple of years it changed. So Rav David Yosef, in his Sefer Ochot Marani, came out recently about different conversations that he had from his father or even even that he saw his father actually actively do. So you get to really see what Hamuvadi did behind the scenes. So he says that in the, originally Hamuvadi would do vidu in Nifilat Abayim on Yom Atzmaut. He wouldn't say Halel, he would do as normal. However, later on in 1969, when he was living in Tel Aviv, he had also uh, a, a position in, the, in, in politics as well, with Rabbanut in politics. So there he started to do, uh, you know, he allowed them to do halal at the end without, without the beracha. However, Rav David Yosef says something very interesting. When Rav David Yosef opened up Yehevedat, which is one of the great yeshiva in, in Harnof, when he first opened up, he asked his father, what should we do? You know, there the Haredi yeshiva, Haredi kolel, what should they do there? So Hamovadi actually says, better if you're not going to get in trouble, <laughs> sounds like with the Tzionim, etc., if there's not going to be any problems, say vidui, do nifilat and he says v'tavu alehem beracha, haberacha. You're going to have beracha by doing that. And therefore, says Rabbi David Yosef, that was the minhag b'meshech hashanim. We follow this custom even nowadays. You go to Yehavedat, the yeshiva of Rabbi David Yosef, the kolel. They're doing tahanun. They're doing nifilat on Yom Hatznaut. So you can tell that from here at least, the opinion of Hamuvadi was, don't even say halal. Because of all the reasons that he applied in, in the Teshuvah, he was saying you could be because he was being more kind of politically correct. Um, and there's also different Teshuvahs. You have different letters all over the place, what he told different people. But it depends if he was writing a Teshuvah to Tzioni Yeshiva, so he probably would tell him, yeah, say halal without the beracha. If he's talking to a super ultra Haredi Yeshiva, he would tell him, don't say the halal. So he's being posek depending on the different people. So now I just want to give a, different, a few different points countering what Hamuvadiya said. So the first point was, is that Hamuvadiya said 
that it wasn't a national miracle. It only happened to the people living in Israel, the, the, the Jews living there at that moment. So if you look at Rabbi Eliezer Melamed in his Pinina Halacha, he has a beautiful work about Yom Atzmut, etc. And he brings down that, of course, Yom Atzmut, having a Jewish country is not only a miracle for the people living in Israel, it's a miracle for the entire Jewish world, no matter where you are. But he says, we're, sa- we're being saved from death, from, de- from death to life, right? Because now, I think point number one, he's saying, oh, here. So first he's saying, yes, it's true. A lot of people die. Around 20-something soldiers have died since the creation of Eretz Israel. But before that, a couple of years before the creation of Eretz Israel, you had 6 million Jews died in the Holocaust. So it's a very s- small number compared to what happened right before we had a Jewish state. And even the Jews living in Chutzaret, they're benefiting from the fact that we have a country called Israel. Why? Bikitsur, he's saying because the Jewish people are, the Goyim are to do anything, the Israeli military to back them up. No matter where you are, the Jewish people, and it's true. I, we saw it here, the people living in Bell Harbor, in Miami Beach, what happened was, is when the, the, the Champagne Tower fell, it fell, you know, there was a lot of Jewish people in there. And the Florida government, the, the state of America, of the country of America, they're sending people to help. But Eretz Yisrael, Medinat Yisrael, they actually sent, overnight, they sent a bunch of experts to come and help and try to find surviving Jews. So, it, and it happens everywhere. You see it in Ukraine right now. And whenever there's Jewish people in the world, Israel is the first to go and send people to help them out. And this creates a paha. It creates this really fear in the goyim. He brings out even proofs from when the, in the Soviet Union that the, the, they were scared to mess with the Jews because of because of Medinat Israel, because of the Jewish country. So of course, all the Jewish people benefit from having a country. Another one he brings down. Um, he brings out another one about how it, it, it saves the Jewish people because when Jews want to come to Eretz Israel. Even the secular Jews, they're going to be saved. He says, look at the the intermarriage rate in America. It's like 70, 80%. Every week, it's growing more and more amongst non-religious and non-associated Jews. Whereas in Israel, it's a very low rate, even this by secular Jews. So that also saves people when they move to Eretz Israel and having this national kind of uh, you know heritage and prideness, it saves the Jewish people as well, no matter where they are. And another one is the Mitzvah of Yishuv Eretz Israel. Before, it was very hard to live in Eretz Israel. It was very, very hard to live in Eretz Israel. It was uh, trying to buy land, dealing with the different nations that conquered Eretz Israel. It was came out almost impossible. And very few communities really um, uh, were successful there. But once we had the Jewish country, any Jew can come into Eretz Israel. Open-handedly, you come to Eretz Israel. Not only that, you go with Nefesh Benefesh, they even get it, give you some land or give you a, a house and help you out. I don't know if they give you a house, but whatever, they give you a stipend, they help you out. So that's something that every single Jew can celebrate because now they are able to fulfill the mitzvah of Yishuv Eretz Yisrael. So that's something, that's a national mitzvah, that's a national miracle for everybody. Okay, so now we're going to go also, Hamda Ginuza. So Rav David Shelush, just today I found out this teshuvah and I had to write a lot of things in it today because... <laughs> When Rav Shalush wants to write something, he writes something. I mentioned this a couple times before in some of the shiurim for the Habura. He actually has it's like like 80 simanim on saying Hallel on Yom Atzmaut. There are other days of miracles that happen. And 
he's really writing against Hamovadi and a lot of it as well. And I really do feel bad for anybody who wants to argue with with, with uh, Rav Shalush. <laughs> if Rav Shalush wants to attack you, Hashem Yirahem, he writes more Iyun than anybody in the world on any sugiya. So he has a whole tissue on it. And he brings down point after point, pretty much saying why he disagrees with the Rishon Litzion at the time when he wrote the Tishuvah, was Rabobadeh was the Rishon Litzion. Um, right, he also writes, again, it was a nest for all Israel, right? And this is an interesting reason why. He says, The Jewish people all over the world, they are, their, their eyes are connected to Eris Israel. They're looking at Eris Israel. And if the Jewish people in Eretz Israel during the wars they fought they they lost and the enemies won, says the Jewish people all over the world would have been persecuted. And not only that, there's also going to be a big chilul Hashem that if the Jewish people you know right now in America you go anywhere and you find especially in Hollywood, Florida, anywhere here in South Florida as well. You have these evangelical Christians, they love Israel, and they, they, all, they think it's also Hashem's hand because they see how successful the Jewish people were. The, Jew, the Goyim around the world, they praise Israel. They praise, I mean, of course, now it's also a big war with the Palestinians, etc. But a lot of the people that are pro-Israel, it's because they see the Yad of Hashem and what Hashem did for the Jewish people. Of people that went from the Holocaust a couple of years before, and now they have a state of Israel, their own Jewish state, and they're defeating all these Arabs, all these enemies against them. So if they would lose, that would be a tremendous Hilul Hashem because again, the Jewish nation, one after another terrible, terrible thing happens to them. The Holocaust and then also Hasvashalm, another war that they will lose. So therefore, it's a big Hilul Hashem. So therefore, that is a national thing for the Jewish people because it's Hashem. Another thing that uh, David Shalush brings down, right? Point number two was, right, oh, it has to be Derech Teva, right? Hamubadiya says, Sorry, it can't be Derech Teva. If it's done naturally, you don't make Halel. It had to be like Hanukkah, which was the miracle of the of the uh, the, the Menorah and the Beit HaMikdash. So he says, first of all, if you open up the Ramam, I'm giving you a little, uh, you know, piece of what he says. Everything he says here is on tons of pages, and he has 30, 40 different proofs for what he's saying. But one thing that I just found nice is that you open up the Rambam, and the... When he talks about the miracle of Halel of, of Hanukkah and why they made Halel on it, is because he counts the miracle of the war and the nest of the olive oil, and he brings down that the nest, the, the Hanukkah, the uh, the menorah, perhaps is why we stayed for eight days. But even without the menorah, if we didn't have the menorah lasting for that long, we would still recite Halel for for sure on the first day of Hanukkah. So there's not a proof from there. Um, let's see, and also. If you read in the in the uh, in the Alanisim, the Nisim is talking about all about the miracles. Why do we say Halel? Right? Does it bring down about the the oil in the in the in the in the Alanisim? Oh, sorry, it does. It brings down both, right? And uh, again, it brings down both. So whatever the, the point he's saying, you have all these sources that show, of course, the war in itself. It was something that sanctions the recital of the Halil. A third point, right? So Hamuvadi said, you know, look at the, these all these sinners in Israel. How can we celebrate? We have such a country with all these terrible people, and we're like, you know, off the derech and uh, etc. How, how could this be? 
So says Rav Shalu, she says, you know, this is like a classic uh, old Moroccan Arabic. Right? Even in our generation, the Jewish people were not, you know, distant from Hashem. We still believe in Hashem. And everybody, even a lot of Stam, all these people in Israel, they do believe that Hashem helped us. And if it wasn't Hashem, we wouldn't have won these wars. And we would, our, our lives would be done. And these umash she'inam shomrim mitzvot and the secular people that they don't keep mitzvot, mishum shelo lamdu velo hanuchu lecha. They just they're tinok shenishba. They never learn. We can't punish them and say, oh, you know, they're not worthy and therefore we can't have you know sanction the miracle that Hashem did for us. This is a tinok shenishba. These are a bunch of tinok shenishba, and Hashem saved them, and perhaps something good can come out of them. Uh, let's see. Right, and then this is the big yisra too. Ve'od shirat hashemayim hi biyadenu shekol biyeshemayim chutz biyeshemayim. Right, uh, right. You're saying that also the halal. It's not about the people. The halal is on what Hashem does for us. So even though you have a country with secular things and terrible things going on, since Hashem did a miracle for us, therefore we can still recite halal and celebrate it because beyond whatever what people do, since he says people choose, do they want, they want to be close to Hashem or not? That's their choice. But Hashem, when he does a miracle for us, we must thank him. I didn't see him talk about the point that Hamubadiyah says it, that we still have wars and we're still in the middle of, you know, all these terrible things that are happening and tragedies that are happening to us. So he didn't really, I don't think the Hamda Ginuza the brought it, Rav Shalush talked about it. However, you know, from Rav Milamed, he says that it's a very minute to what was happening before. So since, yes, terrible things happen, but it's much smaller than how it could have been before when we didn't have a Jewish state. So we have to thank Hashem for that. Now, I want to thank Chacham uh, Joy Moseri for this that I heard once a while ago. That Rav Yitzhak Shebhar, which was uh, one of the chief rabbis of Argentina, the Syrian community, they asked him about also, how do we celebrate? Should we, oh, sorry, I'm a little over the time, but I'm almost done. Yeah. So he celebrates. Is that okay? Uh, yeah. All right, okay. So Rav Yitzhak Shebhar, he writes, they asked him about Medinat Yisrael, should we do? He says, he says, he responded back. He says, you should know, all the terrible things that happened in Israel, right? this doesn't compare to what Ahav who was a king, who was the, the, one of the biggest Rasha, Rashaim, and also Omri, his father, what they did, they were of the Avodah Zarah, and they were still the kings. And nevertheless, even Eliyahu and Avi would respect him, etc. And not only that, he brings down, trying to skip through these things, he says, oh, and the Gemara says in Sanhedrin, the Omri Aviv What did Omri, what did he do that he was, be, he was able to become king of Eretz Israel? So look, the Marsha, he says, Right, even you know he himself had his children and grandchildren become kings. So the Gemara answers because he added one city to Eretz Israel. Because of that, he built a city in Eretz Israel. He was ochet for his children to become kings. So imken these secular Israelis, how many? And, and they're not again. He said they're not as bad as as Ahab was, how many cities have they opened up for the Jewish people? You know, these secular lawyers and businessmen and bankers from, from, from Europe, they left their homes and they left their jobs and they went to Eretz Israel and they became farmers and they, they opened up the roads and, and learned all these things that 
generally Jewish people don't do, especially rich, rich Jewish people, they don't do. And they did it, and they made these beautiful cities for the Jewish people to, to live in. So he says, so for sure, the, we have to be thankful for them, and we have to show respect for them, and they're not as bad as Ahab. Right? Then he brings down all these different things that the, how the Jewish people help people from the Soviet Union, and how they help uh, 100,000 Iraqi Jews and Yemenite Jews. And, yeah, I know there's some things with the Yemenites, what they did to the Yemenites, but in general, they did a lot of good things for the Jewish people all over the world, and they they made Eretz Israel a livable place, and they made more cities. So therefore, he holds, for sure, we should be happy with them. Um, so we know Hamubadi says not to do the Halel, or he held the best thing, ideally, don't do the Halel. I also, I think Rav Kafe Ashi himself also says not to say the Halel. Rav Mazuz also says not even to say the Halel, and even to say Tahanun. Um, but they hold it's more of a technical thing. It's not because they don't dink the state of Israel. It's just more halachically reasons, halachic reasons why they hold not to, to do anything. Like we said, maybe it's the beginning of the Gula, but it's not the end. We have all these things to come over, to, to overcome. So therefore, they don't do it. However, the Hemda Ginuza, he says something very interesting about David Shalush. He says, so therefore, oh, uh, sorry, I'm jumping the gun. Michila. The fourth point was that many people, uh, the, the fourth point that Hamubadiyah said is that since people died in, on the seventh day of Pesach, we don't reset the Halel. So too, since many people died in all these wars, we shouldn't reset the Halel. So he says, the Rav Shalush says, that doesn't really make sense. We know even the Hashmonaim, of course the Hashmonaim died. Even Matityahu and his children and many of our good people in our nation, they went to war and they died. And there's no, and he says, milhama beli korbanot. Of course, anytime there's war, people die. Both sides die. And therefore, nevertheless, they made the halal on, on Hanukkah. And therefore, it's the same. Even though we had wars and people die, we still should recite Hanukkah. And he brings a whole, how do you learn that whole thing? He just, how do you learn that, that uh, the Midrash that, uh, that uh, Abu Darham brought, that Rav brought? There, it's just saying, it's giving us a lesson that don't celebrate the defeat of, of people and the death of people. Rather, celebrate the thanks to Hashem. That's, it's giving us a moral lesson. Again, he's taking the Midrash, not not in, in as per se as halakha, but rather as teaching us a lesson that when we celebrate, thank Hashem and not uh, don't be thankful for the death of them, rather thank Hashem for the Savior, the being saved, you yourself being saved. Okay, so then this is the halakha lemaseh part. He says, after I prove that, yes, even the Rabbanan, from the Torah, sorry, that Rova Poskim, they obligate you either from the Torah or the Rabbanan to say halal when things happen. And, uh, Right, all these poskim, they also allow you. They they say you have to write, recite halal, and even their children should say it as well. And it should be a takana for all the generations. And after I proved for you, right again, I'm, this is a sikum, but after he had maybe a hundred pages on this thing, he says he says after I proved to you that the the the, the people living in Israel nechshavim kerov Israel. This I didn't touch upon, but he actually proves that the Jewish people, whoever is living in Israel. They are halachically considered to be Rav Yisrael. So us living here, even though there's, let's say, maybe just as many Jews living in America as in Chutzpah, I don't think that, that is the case, in Eretz Yisrael, but uh, if, let's say, you had more Jews living in Chutzpah, which you do have nowadays, I think, or it's pretty close, it doesn't matter. The Jewish people that are living in Israel, they're the real Jews, we're like the fake Jews. They, they count as Rav Yisrael, and we don't count as Rav Yisrael. So therefore, even without the things that I told you before, that in itself sanctioned that that was a miracle that happened to Rav Yisrael, to the Jewish people. And therefore they should say the, the, the Halel with the Beracha as well, uh, etc. Um, however, he brings down, oh, I think I copied this. 
However, this is very interesting. He holds not to say Halel on Yom HaTzma'ut. Right? The full Halel with the Beracha. Why? Because that was pretty much a secular day that they chose. And not only that, that day that they chose, nothing really happened on that day. Other days, things transpired and things happened. So he brings down the different days that you could say Halal with full with uh, with Beracha, etc. But on the day of Iyar, of the Iyar, which is tonight, he says you should say you could say Halal, however, but you should say Bidiluk, which means you should skip it. Don't say the full Halal. He held that really on the miracle days you should say Halal with the Beracha and the full Halal. However, when you're not, when it's on the on Yom Ha'atzmaut, because we declared dependence, and therefore it wasn't that we were, you know we were saved at that moment, but rather we just declared the independence on that day. Therefore, you should say Halel, but without a bera, with a Beracha, he says, or actually he gives different shidot. He says, if you're like the Moroccans and Ashkenazim and many other people that hold you can make a Beracha on Rosh Chodesh for Halel, when you say the Likroita Halel, therefore on Yom Smut as well, you can do it as well. Because this is for sure, if not better than, Yom Atz, than, than Rosh Chodesh, that it's a Minhag and you make a Beracha. So, so to here as well, you can make a Beracha because it's such a great occurrence. But for the people that don't make the beracha on Rosh Chodesh, they, they don't have to. But if, even if they want to, they have what to rely on as well because of all these different shittot as well. He brings different proofs all over that we didn't get into. Um, okay. So then also, uh, if we have another couple minutes, I think this is just something that's very, very scary and frightening. But it was something that he said before the Holocaust happened. This is Rav Yaakov Moshe Toledano. Rav Yaakov Moshe Toledano. He was born in Israel, comes from a Moroccan family. He, I think he was also the chief rabbi in, in, uh, in Tangiers for a little bit, in Morocco, in different places as well. Uh, I think also he maybe was the chief rabbi of Tel Aviv for a moment as well. He was a very active in the Zionist movement, and he was from Menet Samir Hacham. And he says something in, I think this Teshuvah, in the Sefer Yamagadol, which was published, I think, in 1931. He says something unbelievable. He says like this. And this, okay. Uh, you guys can interpret however you want. Sorry, I was just waiting to remember. So he says that, unfortunately, the rabbis, the greatest rabbis, the gedolim, He's saying the Gedolim, in this generation and in the previous generations, they caused the Jewish people to make a mistake. They caused the general public of the Jewish people, the Hamona Pashut, to think that since we're in Galut, whenever we're in exile, it's forbidden for us to kind of stand up for ourselves. Rather, it's a mitzvah that we should, you know, this is what the Gedolim are saying, that we have to bow down to any dictator, any terrible uh, ruler, and let them destroy our bodies and to rip us uh, to rip us apart. As if that this was decreed from Hashem. He's saying this was the mindset that the Gedolim were teaching us. He's saying, and this is part of you know the Gezera that we're in Galut, that we have to be you know subjective uh, subjugated to the Goyim and bow down to them. And, and don't raise our hands and fight back. So I'm, this is also a different segment. It's like a five, six page Teshuvah. These are different segments from the Teshuvah. He says later on, 
Shebimichilat kevodam. He says, this is amazing. He says, I'm going to say this and I'm not scared. Again, 1931. This attitude that the Gedolim are teaching the people, this is causing many communities in the Jewish world to be killed, to be destroyed. Really, technically, we have a lot of people in different places, and if they had the power to, if they, if they knew that they could, they would fight and fight for themselves and save themselves from being killed. However, but since the Gedolim of the generation are teaching them, they're telling them, just stay as you are, don't fight back. Therefore, this is what's happening to them. And they're getting wiped out and pogroms are happening left and right and the Jewish people aren't waking up. He says, sorry, Michila, I read it wrong. He says, he says, if the Gedolim in the door, they would teach people that, no, you have to get up and fight for yourselves, just like the halacha is. Somebody's coming to kill you, you first kill them. That's halacha. And rather, they didn't do this, the Gedolim. They're not teaching the, the people this. Rather, they said, just be like, you know, sheep that are going to be, that are being brought to be slaughtered. Because of this, this is what's happening. This attitude is killing the Jewish people. And he says, the Gambizma, he brings down many historical places from different cities and different communities that they fought the Goyim. They went and they fought. They weren't, uh, they weren't, you know, they didn't have this hashkafa that he says that the, that we're going to see soon where it came from. But they didn't have this hashkafa that we could just be low and bow our heads to them and let them do whatever they want with us. He says, from the, from the time of the Amoraim, Geonim, and even from Gerush Sefarad, Gedolei Yisrael hasu al kevodam v'kavod ha'kehilot. The Jewish people cared for themselves and for the, their communities. Whenever they had the ability to, they would go and try to stand and fight against the enemies. He says only in Europe, in Ashkenaz, in Russia, in France, all these areas, they started, you know, this mentality of just, you know, lowering yourselves and letting you be dominated and killed. That 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 mentality started from there. And then he says, And this didn't only start, it didn't only happen in Ashkenaz, it happened in the Ashkenazic lands, but this mentality spread also to the Sephardic lands, the Morocco, the Faras, Turkey, all these different places. So then it, it, just another thing, just to end off on, he says, He's saying this in one. He says, there should be a seder in yeshivot, in Talmud Torah, in any school, that they should teach people how to use weapons, how to fight for themselves, how to defend themselves, so that if anything happens, they can stand for themselves. So I was just saying, I was starting that this was chilling because, again, he wrote this in 1931 before the Shoah happened. And and just to end off, you see the different perspectives from where you have the Divrei Yoel, the Rav Tadobam saying, the Satmar Rebbe, that the Tzionim caused the the uh, the Holocaust, whereas the Yamagadol preceding the Holocaust is saying this mentality of us not fighting, not going and having a Jewish state. Really, the whole Tishuva also is dealing with having a Jewish state in 1931. Since we didn't do, we're not doing this. This is what 
bloodshed. And he was, you know, he's writing this warning to people seemingly, even before the Holocaust happened, which is pretty chilling. So, Hazag Baruch, in general, there's different opinions. Um, some want to say Halal, they have what to rely on. They don't want to say Halal, they have what to rely on. And they can both be Tzionim. They want to say Tahanun, they could still be Tzionim and really appreciate the, 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 the state of Israel. Um, and then, of course, you have other opinions that hold not to even, you know, to mourn, but that's not the, the shita that I would say is an acceptable uh, approach according to the, the way of the Rishonim, the way of the most Rishonim, Achronim as well. But uh, in the end, there's, it's not worthy to make a machlok between should you say halal, should you not say halal. Every each shita definitely has what to rely on, and anybody who tells you otherwise, I know. Say halal with a beracha, you're amaritz, or if you don't say with a beracha, you're also amaritz, so you're not Each shita has what to rely on, and they're all good. Wow, thank you so much, Chacham. And it's so it's amazing to actually see the sources inside and not just have. Uh, bunch of uh, emotional uh you know uh issue um so if anyone has any questions uh, you can uh raise your hand unmute yourself um and we'll we'll take that the questions now and um, i'll start with the 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 above uh Ovadia makes a distinction between yom Atzmaut and uh yom yerushalayim yeah, Chachamavadia, and uh, I think yeah. his son makes that distinction. So it's interesting. Why? Why would he? Why does he make that distinction? Yeah, that's a good, a good, good question. He doesn't really write there why, but he said on Yom Yushalayim not to, to say uh, Tahanun. That's what was his opinion, which I personally don't understand because, you know, Yom Yushalayim was very big, but Hashem, we get the Kotel, etc. But uh, we still don't have Harabayit. We're still missing a lot, and Yom Atzmut at least was the beginning of the cause where we're able to conquer all these other places. So I'm not sure. It's a, it's a good question. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why. Perhaps maybe, maybe because Yom Atzmaut is maybe a kind of a Shadush says it's commemorating. It's a, it's a day where, you know, the secular government kind of established, whereas Yom Yushalayim is an actual, the day of the war itself when it happened and it transpired a certain war happened and it was a miracle, but a uh, good question. Anyone else? Oh, Simon. Right. Yeah, I see somebody said, yeah, the Alanisim doesn't mention the Nesbach Shashem, right? Uh, that's what I thought, but then I read the Rav David Shalush, and he was writing there that it does. I read it wrong. Um, I know our Alanisim does not mention the Pach Shemin, which is a question, right? So uh, maybe we'll bring a different Ustach. Um, let me see that one. Right. Oh, because no, it does mention right. So there, it does mention that they came to the Beit Hamikdash and they uh, they they lit the lights. So from there, you could actually say it is mentioning the mitzvah of the ner of the uh, the, the nest of the ner. So yeah. So it could be. Is it the? Because it, it's sorry. really sorry. It's it's Yeshua here. It's it's talking about the fact that yeah, they reinaugurated the temple and they lit the candles. Nothing right, else. Right. It's not really saying anything about any like normal yeah. procedure when you inaugurate the temple is to light the candles of the menorah, right? Right, right. But it, it's yeah, it's it's. But that was a miracle in itself because they didn't have the oil, right? It doesn't really mention it so much. But look at Rav Shalush is saying that 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 itself. That those words is talking about the the nest of the Pach Shemin. But 
I hear what you're saying as well. That could just be standard procedure. Uh, and you're right. From from this, the Alanisim sounds like the main thing is the war. So not like what Hamovadia was proposing. Uh, really, from here, you see the Ikar thing is really the war. And the, the candles was, uh, you know, the cherry on top, maybe. But very good point, right. yeah. As well. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Simon. Yeah, there's a, a practical issue which comes up uh, this year and most other years, in fact, that the Yom Ad-Smut in the day it's celebrated on is not actually Hei er Right. Uh, um, do the Poskim talk about this, whether one should say mm-hmm. Halal on Hei er or yeah. like this year on Dalit er Yeah, I didn't get so much into it, but um, I, I saw just quickly that the Hemda Genuza of Shalush, he brings down... He doesn't like this, what they did, how they changed the date and everything. He says, who cares about this, the celebration? The Rabbanut, they changed the din because of the celebrations on Shabbat. That's going to happen, perhaps. But the Hallel, for sure, you should say it on Shabbat. Uh, on, yeah, on Shabbat. There's no problem to say Hallel on Shabbat. So he doesn't like what the Rabbanut uh, proposed to change the day for that. So I didn't see other posts came on that. I really didn't check it out, but it's a very good question. I just know what he says is keep it on Shabbat. Yeah. Keep it on hey b whatever there it falls on. Hey exactly. Sorry, hey exactly. Wherever it falls out. Yeah. Josh. Uh, Baruch, what about uh, shaving on your matzmaut? <laughs> yeah, we didn't get into that, but uh, you have Rav Rabbeinu Nisim, the Rishon Litzion. He held he held that you could shave on your matzmaut. It's much like a Yom Tov. And also Rav Kook, of course, many of the Many of the big, uh, big rabbinim of the Indizioni movement, they held that you could shave on Yom Atzmaut. But, uh, of course, I don't think, uh, Hamovadia or other, more of those more common mainstream poskim would allow it, but, uh, definitely what to rely on. Especially again, you know, shaving, shaving itself is just a minhag. Um, I mean, the whole thing, the Sekrata Omer is a minhag, and even the shaving, someone I say the original minhag is only on haircuts, not on the beard. So with that, you know, definitely there's what to rely on if you really feel that it's your it's a holiday for you. You know, I, I don't see why not. I think Rav Shalush as well. That, did he touch upon that? No, he didn't touch about that. He didn't, Rav David Shalush didn't talk about it. But uh, for sure, Rav Nisim, he talks about that and he allows it. It's interesting to consider how you have a minhag that's emerging going against the, a minhag that, that already exists. Meaning it's two minhagim battling each other out. Like, for example, with music, like a lot of people's they they listen to music on your mouth if if you if you don't listen to music during this time, um, so people go against that. But it's like it's both of them are minhag on what you do. Right, right, right. It's true. They're they're both minhagim exactly, and that's why. Uh, and the minhagim is not so. It's really not such strong minhagim because um, we don't. You know the Rambam. A lot of the the Rishonim don't even bring down the minhag of this. You know, there's a famous uh, in the Sheltot of Rav Shirira Gaon. He actually says, I have it here somewhere, he says that it wasn't a uh, a plague that hit the Jewish people, the Talmudim of Rabbi Akiva. I think we say it's 24,000, our girsah, he think, I think he says it's like 10,000 or less. And on top of it, he says it was Shemad. It was a persecution against the Talmudim of Rabbi Akiva. He doesn't say because of Kabod, this and that. He has a different girsah. So that, someone has said that that's what the Rambam had, different girsahot. So the Minhag, whatever, it came more in the time of Maran. I, I think there's our could be some Gaonic sources for the Minhag as well, but it wasn't such a strong Minhag, you know. It sounds like the, the Rambam was definitely trimming his beard during uh, Sfirat Omer. <laughs> so, and again, we said, according to Halis, Hamubadi himself, Hamubadi himself holds that touching the beard 
is only an extra humrah. It's not the, even the original minhag. And music, yeah, the music as well. You know, music, they didn't talk about it. The music is a newer thing because uh, according to Hamim, you're not even allowed to, I mean, most she taught in Hamim, you're not even allowed to listen to music all year round. So they want to say that be, there's a kula to listen to music when it's recorded, not live music, unless it's a simcha, according to some poskim. Um, and then, uh, but the, during Sviata Omer, you should be machmir with uh, even electric music, which is pr- probably not part of the original takana. But others, are, they still hold it's okay. Even even during Sviata Omer, you're allowed to listen to recorded music because we're so used to it and it's not the same as a live concert. You know, it's that, not that same feeling. It's just something that we're so used to. But also, these are very like mean hagim that nowadays the Jewish world takes them very serious. You know, if somebody who trims his beard during the Omer, like Mamasha Kofer, whereas, you know, it's such a light, light, light minhag, but people went crazy about it. You know, it's the biggest uh, talk. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Any last questions? I see Sina. Ah, Sina's here. I know Sina just says, I think he was moving. Okay, it's all good. Okay. So uh, thank you everyone for coming. And uh, thank you so much, Racham. It's, a, it's always an honor to learn with you. And uh, we're excited uh, to have you to have you many more times in the future. So, Amen. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you for thank listening. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.